Welcome to Food Farms and Chefs radio show, where we highlight everyone from the top industry leaders to startups and farmers that make it all possible with Chef Jean Blom and photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Welcome to Food Farms and Chefs, and I am here to celebrate the 125th year of the Masonic Village at Burlington. Yes, and I'm here with Anda Doroso, who is the executive director. Anda, thank you for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. Thanks for joining us for this momentous occasion. So, 125 years, that's a, that is a huge, huge milestone. Um, how, how have you, <laughs> what, how, what do they offer and, you know, what exactly is the Masonic Village? So I want you to think back 125 years ago. We actually had horse and buggies. We didn't have roads, no parking lots, no cars. It was before many, many things in our society. The Masons, the Freemasons of New Jersey started the Masonic Home as an orphanage. And then it evolved once the wars started into Home for the Elderly because they wanted their mothers to be taken care of while they were at war, the Freemasons. Yeah. In 1940 or so, we closed down the orphanage because there weren't that many young men in it. Um, And those that were here were placed in foster care. So that caring for the elderly evolved. And, you know, many, many years later, we have a whole continuum of care. We have independent living, assisted living, and skilled nursing, um, rehabilitation, We have two memory care programs, um, and we're a staple in the community. And I know, I mean, we are a food-centric show, so I want to kind of center our our discussion also around the food and whatnot because I know that there's a large program obviously that you guys offer for you know those who are in assisted. You don't even have to (laughs) you know prompt me with those questions. We have to please 400 plus pallets. That's just the residents. And then we have about 400 pallets of our employees. And if you can think about it, you know, our employee base is very diverse. And our residents are not so diverse, but, you know, their their tastes are evolving. So um, we do a lot of farm-to-table eating. Um, We do fresh uh, vegetables. Um, Jay Ambrogi and Sons is a local producer. Um, they bring us our fresh veggies right from the area. Um, we deal with, you know, Balfour Farms, which is right in the area as well for dairy, um, Hershey's ice cream. Mm-hmm. Um, so our residents are very, um, what should I say? The highlight of everybody's day is their meal, just like you and I, right? <laughs> um, well, in senior living communities, it's more so because they're retired. Um, they have activities to, you know, guide them throughout the day, but um, the meals are their time for socialization and for their time to enjoy their day and, and make the best of it. So um, we have a ton of requests. Um, we have a monthly um, food committee, so they're very vocal. And I think at their last committee that I went to, we had about 30 um, participants, and they're very vocal. You know, they, they are very keen on letting us know what they like, what they don't like. And um, we recently changed from outsourcing the food into, you know, bringing it in-house. And 
our food and beverage director is actually from Burlington. His name is Mark Contrati. He has been in this industry for a really long time. Um, his education is in uh, hospitality management. And we have Chef Steve Jacobs, um, who has been in the industry for a really long time as well. And they've been so kind and patient meeting with our residents and adjusting our menu according to everybody's feedback. Now, you had said that you brought it to in-house. Mm -hmm. And obviously, if it's farm to table, um, there's been a huge shift to, to uh, doing CSAs. And given that you, know, you guys have so much land, um, do you have gardens on, on premises? We do. We have a large garden by the Vanderpool Pavilion in the back, um, which I would show you when you have some time. Um, we have several residents who love gardening, and we have two residents that are from Italy, outside of Rome, uh, the Tiberis, and they basically run that garden. But we have tomatoes, we have peppers, we have... Uh, cucumbers. We have every herb you can think of, and it, they're all used in our kitchen. Wow, that's that's amazing, and you know it keeps everybody active too, which is is a huge positive thing. I know myself. I have my grandmother. Um, she lives with my mother, and it's it is kind of a burden on her um, because you know. Although we love my grandmother, um, you know, it is a lot of extra work to to look over, you know, watch over her. But um, having a place where like the Masonic Village where, you know, you ha you offered a bunch of different opportunities for, you know, people who need assisted livings, people that um, are, are, you know, in PT rehab. Um, so what are some of those programs? So we actually have a very diverse food program with a chef named Renee, who's fantastic, who specializes in modified diets. So those people who are having trouble swallowing, maybe post-stroke, or maybe they've had some other medical difficulties, we do you know chopped diets, we do mechanical soft, we do pureed, and we do thickened liquids. Um, but everything is mirrored on the regular menu. So um, whatever, you know, the, the residents are getting in independent living and assisted living, that's what the residents who have modified diets are receiving as well. And it's, it's a really um, specialized skill to have. And I'm very proud of Renee, who's fantastic and makes all of these uh, modified foods look very appetizing. Because as you can imagine, when you have a modified diet, it's not all that appealing. Yeah. Um, but they take those specific foods and they make them look exactly and shape them exactly like the foods that are being served to everybody else. Um, and I have photos of that if you would like. Um, I can send them to you anytime. Yeah, I would appreciate that. Now let's circle back to the event that we're, you know, currently at the 125th anniversary. Um, so what can we look forward to tonight? So we have a local caterer. Um, his name is Eric Harpel. He is actually a um, mason as well. This is, of course, Masonic Village. So we have many Freemasons from throughout New Jersey attending tonight, um, tonight's event. And um, Eric's catering company specializes in large-scale events. So we have a chicken served in a lemon sauce. Um, we have 
grilled salmon with herbs and mashed potatoes and green beans. Um, we have some appetizers. We have a nice cheese and charcuterie um, board and plate that's being served. And, you know, our residents, a lot of them have mobility issues. So the goal was not to have a buffet line. The goal was to have table service. So every table has its own set of food that is available. And, um, it, you know, it's easily accessible to anybody that would like anything. And then we have actually, I don't know if you've seen the cake, but it's beautiful. It's in the shape of 125, the numbers, 125, um, made in fondant. And um, it's just perfect. It um, is. I couldn't have imagined a better cake. <laughs> it's beautiful. And it looks like you guys have gold leaf leaves also, like we almost do. like Roman. So We do. We do. So it was made by um, one of the um, spouses from the... Um, one of the, the attendees? Base. No, the base. The, oh, okay. The local air base. Um, so she, and I, I'm sorry, I forget her name, but I can certainly ask Alyssa um, Grunis what her name is. Um, the baker, she just did a fantastic job. And um, she's one of the military spouses. She, she um, came to all of our events and brought all kinds of cupcakes and uh, perfection in desserts, I should say. She's great. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, so Anna. Thank you for having me. No problem. And uh, I will contact you so that, you know, we can get this to you. But let our listeners know how to get in touch with the Masonic Village. You can go to our website, njmasonic.org, or you can certainly call us anytime at 609-239-3900. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you. Join us on Food Farms and Chefs Radio Show, where we highlight everyone from top industry leaders to startups and the farmers who make it all possible with co-hosts Jean Blum and Amaris Pollock with original episodes that debut every Tuesday at 6 p.m. on WWDB 97.5 HD2 and at WWDBAM.com and on your smart speaker. Welcome to Food Farms and Chefs, and we have Elrich Green, who is the mayor of Burlington Township, New Jersey, on Food Farms and Chefs. You are here to join us at the 125th celebration of the Masonic Village, and also to talk about your township and the restaurant scene that's, that is available for people to visit. Welcome to Food Farms and Chefs. Why, thank you very much. <laughs> so, obviously, you have a very busy schedule on a regular basis running you know yes, running sir. your township um, but you obviously are gonna have to stop and fuel your body so what are some of the rest the booming restaurant scene in your township that people can go visit first and foremost uh, I am a fast foodie so uh, the local pizzerias there's Luigi's Pizza Fresca on Columbus Road right down the street from where I live Pizza Villa, uh, which is great, then 541, which is actually in the Liberty Plaza, Wishing Well Plaza over by the ShopRite. So just, I just try to break it up to make sure I'm patronizing all the different businesses. My wife and I have always done that. Um, but for the most part, I would prefer the, the local local, which would be Luigi's Pizza Fresca. Pizza's great. I'm kind of ashamed to say or embarrassed to say only recently have I tried a Sicilian pizza. Oh, really? I ate. We had and pizza. how did you like it? I loved it, so we ordered one. <laughs> we happened to have a Sicilian pie at one of the events, which, and we had never had one before. And we've okay. lived here since 78. Uh, it was great. It was wonderful. I guess we realized we were missing Sicilian pie. 
So you, you, it sounds like you're very into not just fast food, but also like more in particular Italian pizza, pizzerias. It, it sounds like that's your little Achilles heel. And linguine and the different pastas, yes. On the other hand, PK, which is a Nigerian restaurant, recently okay. opened up in what used to be Casimiri's restaurant, okay. and it's just Nigerian and Ghana food. I love hot, spicy food. I love to experiment with different foods. My wife doesn't, however, but I'm, I'm game for trying pretty much anything. I mean, I love anything that has bountiful flavor. Like, if it's lighting your palate on fire or just lighting your palate on, um, you know, like, I love Thai food, and I love, you know, oh, that face that you just made. <laughs> Yes. I love the Thai food. Actually, a friend of mine who's been here since 2019 with us, he just recently returned home to Malaysia. Oh, wow. Bruce Lee, not the boxer, but Bruce Lee was <laughs> last weekend. He actually took a train up to Penn Station, uh, flew 24 hours to get back to his home in Malaysia. So you can imagine the different foods that we ate, specifically the hotter foods. Yeah. Spicy hot. And street food, too, because when you're yes. walking down the street, like, they have little vendors, and you just kind of, I mean, you have to eat it right then and there. Yes. Because otherwise, you know, there, there's no way of, of maintaining um, the safety of the food when you're <laughs> when you're there, if you don't eat it right then and there. Yes. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the foods and whatnot, the cuisines at different, in different countries, mm -hmm. like, you can't get better food than there. And there's a difference between when you go overseas to get, you know, sushi versus sushi here. Everything's kind yes. of Americanized, whereas overseas, it's obviously, you know. Real down-to-earth home cooking. Exactly. Yes. So um, tell us, a our listeners, a little bit of history on yourself. Like, how did you get into um, being a politician? Well, that's a loaded question. I got into being a politician, I guess, with just... Family roots in volunteerism and giving back. Uh, so I started with zoning board, and then I we had an opening on the council. I submitted a resume, interviewed for council, with my wife's blessings. We're married 45 years, so you got to have the wife's blessings. And I was the candidate to run for council, so I ran for an unexpired term, and it's been all uphill since then. Um, I love the community. We're active with the different sports. Always active in schools. I was like a national PTA president when I was at the Captain James Lawrence School in Burlington City. So I guess my volunteer roots go back to PTA. Yeah. Actually, in my collect, my memorabilia at home, I have my mom's PTA membership card from my elementary school days. So wow. I guess I can stem, and you know, Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, Rotary, always active there. So that, that's pretty much the roots of my being a, an elected official. Well, it sounds like a very busy schedule and that you've been working hard in order to get here. So you deserve that pie and those pastas. <laughs> it's not just the pie, however. I do eat real food. My wife's a she's from France. She's, oh, okay. a, a steak, oh. she's a steak and potato person. Mm -hmm. I will eat steak, but I prefer to eat chicken, fish, pork, you know, pretty much the whole gamut of the menu where she prefers steak and potatoes. Gotcha. But whether it's fried, broiled, smoked, what have you, She's rare, I'm well. <laughs> so we do. It's, it's easy for us to pretty much go to any restaurant because our, our tastes are, are varied like that. And what are you looking forward to the most tonight? I'm looking to sample food tonight from a caterer that I've never 
where I've experience. never experienced before, and then I can actually promote them, or at least you know, give them an attaboy or comment on their Facebook page or what have you, and just you know, experiment or test as much, try as much as I can, not as much, but try the whole ver- the entire variety. I'm All not right. a big eater, but I do like to test sample the waters. Well, thank you for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. And let our listeners know how they can uh, follow you. You can follow me on the Burlington Township of New Jersey website or Pete Green on Facebook. Um, I'm kind of like a renowned photographer, so most of my postings on Facebook have to do with nature um, and architecture and artsy type things. But yeah, I'm out there on Facebook, Um, not politically, but just for pleasure. Nice. Well, it was a pleasure speaking with you, Pete. Thank or you. Or Elrich. <laughs> Thank you very much. Have Likewise. A, and uh, enjoy the evening. Will do. Thank you. So honored to have the person who made the cake for the 125th celebration of Masonic Village here, Sarah Kraft, who is the owner of Amazing Cakes and More. So Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thank you for having me. No problem. Um, So tell us a little bit about your business and how you got invited into the, the realm of the Masonic Village. Sure. So uh, I'm a military spouse. And um, Alyssa um, is also a military spouse, and we're, I did two of her um, children's cakes, and that's how I met her, and she thought of me for this project. Um, so, I mean, being a military wife, you obviously are going from base to base to base over the years. I mean, I think if I recall, it's like a two-year stint. Um, uh, three, three years for the three Navy. Three years? Yep. Okay. So what was it? what is it like um, establishing yourself as a cater, or cake, cook, cakes and more um, at the military base, but then bringing it throughout each um, place that you were, you and your husband are then positioned? It's definitely a struggle. I mean, but you make connections and you, you every time that you do move, you understand more about what you need to do to bring the people into your business and show them what you're about. And it's um, the military community is really, really supportive. Yeah. I, I have a stepfather who was in the military, and so I do know a little bit about everything, um, just based on like things that he told me. So I know that, obviously, it can be difficult to, to do that transition, but um, I love the fact that you you made the cakes, and you make them so beautifully. Like, the way that they're presented with the fondant and the gold leaf. Is it gold leaf that's, that's surrounding, or the leaves? Yeah, the leaves are gold leaf, yep. That how intricate was that? Did you make those yourself? No, I brought those in. Um, there's over a hundred of them. Wow. On there, yeah. So, what kind of flavoring do you have for the cake tonight? Um, tonight we stuck with traditional marble. That way, safe choice. Everyone loves <laughs> a little bit of both. Yeah. I mean, everybody has. And marble cake, of course, is is kind of pretty once you cut into it too, because then you know you see the different like designs. It, it's it's intricate. Um, so what got you into actually making cakes? Like, did you learn from a pastry school at all, or did you learn on, on your own? Uh, no, I'm self-taught. Um, I started when I was very young. I, I was interested in cooking and baking. And um, 
actually about 13 years ago. My brother went to Michael's and signed me up for a class and bought me all the uh, pans and everything and said, all right, show me what you can do. Yeah. And it just went from there. So, I mean... Obviously, they, like the technique in order to make the 125, like is just a you know a cutting technique. Like you just slice it so that it looks like 125, which isn't always the easiest. It, it's, it's not as easy <laughs> as it looks, <laughs> especially because you need to like make it flush, make it even, and you know make sure that the two looks like a two. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of other designs do you offer? Um, I mean, I do everything from children's cakes to baby showers to weddings. Uh, I had an, a wedding today, actually, so it was the gala and the wedding. Oh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we do from small to large. So, you also, what is the and more part of your uh, amazing cakes and more? So I do offer. Um, Cake pops, macaroons, brownies, cheesecake, all um, extras that can be uh, supported, uh, you know, at a birthday party or an event. And then also we do um, half pound mega cookies. So those are like novelty cookies. Are they the ones that break open or are they like like a a stuffed big half a pound cookie? Yeah. So I I really love stuffed cookies just because like the the joy of like seeing them like crack open mm-hmm. like you can't you can't not be happy with that. So <laughs> what kind of flavors do you offer? I mean, so we do different flavors every single week. Um, whatever my brain can create. Uh, but sometimes I'll just be walking and I'll think of a, a flavor and I'll have to write it in my phone. Um, but we do a lot, lots of red velvets, um, lots of Oreo. That's that's a fan favorite. Chocolate and peanut butter is mine. Yes, <laughs> lots of Reese's creations. You know who I am? I keep trying to get people to do like a chocolate base with peanut butter, but then like add in some like toffee or caramel pretzels, like for like a crunch, like and like maybe whip. But like, if you really want to get bougie, add in a little hint of bourbon. <laughs> that sounds delicious. I have to put it on my menu. <laughs> Sorry, I like I love cooking, and I used to cook all the time. So like, like not bake. I'm I'm not stellar at baking. I will admit to that. <laughs> but I can make anything like from scratch. Just like pick it up, look at it, smell it, like see if it like fits. Do you ever do that with baking? Oh yeah. I mean. I mean, obviously it's more measured, of course, but then once you have a base, you can get creative, you know, with your flavor profiles, which that's the fun part. Now, we're going to circle back to the fact that we are here at the event. I will say to uh, to our listeners that she was not here initially. She drove from where she lives to the Masonic Village to be interviewed by me. So a lot of kudos to you for, you know, coming here to, to branch out and like so and sit down for food farms and chefs with us. But um, what's something that or like what can our listeners do in order to hire you and where can they go to see some of your your creative? Creativity. Um, so we have a Facebook page under Amazing Cakes and More in Browns Mills, New Jersey. And then I also have a website, which is megatroncookie.com. And that has our cookies that you can order daily. You can put in special orders and you can also put in a request for cakes. Nice. And how how is it, like, how 
proud of the fact that your cake is here to celebrate 125th five years of them being established? Uh, I'm so proud to be part of this event. Um, I'm so thankful for Alyssa bringing me in. Uh, we created the concept of the cake together, uh, brainstormed back and forth, and um, I'm really happy with the result, and it seems like it's a big hit. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. And by all means, grab one of our cards and reach out to us. I'd love to have you on for a longer segment. Um, and, you know, maybe I can give you some connections through uh, some of my military friends. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much. To become a sponsor of Food Farms and Chefs and have your business or event promoted on two radio stations in Philadelphia that play on Tuesdays during Drive Time Radio and on a station in New York on Fridays at 1 p.m., you can email us at foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com, ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com, or arpolicus at gmail.com. At this time, it is an absolute honor to welcome the executive chef at one of Philadelphia's more unique restaurants. And uh, I'm struggling to actually define, uh, you know, Blondie and Maniunk. I guess it's where, you know, Trump Plaza meets your mother's kitchen meets creative cocktail meets glitz and glamour. But David Price, welcome to Food Farms and Chefs. We're going to unravel so much about this true gem in the city of Philadelphia. Welcome, David. Thank you very much, Jeff. I really appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. So, David, you are at the helm of a very kind of unique and Philadelphia magazine um, a little while back did a great little piece. And the way that they described Blondie was very unique. They, they said, you know, it works because of its messiness of American influence and styles, not in spite of that. And while that sounds not like a good thing, it's an incredible thing. What do you do there in, in bringing unique touches to foods is just truly inspiring. Before we delve into all that, David, tell us a little bit about how you got started and a little bit about your background that led you to, you know, have this influence in this style here at Blondie Philadelphia. So I actually didn't get started in the culinary uh, profession until a little later in my late twenties. I spent almost a decade in active duty army. And once I got out of the military, I was kind of searching for myself and looking for a place to, to be in my life. And I'd always loved to cook. I grew up cooking. My mother's a fantastic cook. So a lot of my inspiration and my drive for cooking comes from her. And I decided I wanted to go to culinary school after I got off of active duty. So I enrolled in school there here in Philadelphia and started working off at a place here in Cherry Hill over in Jersey called Tiernanog. There's another one. I think it's on 15th of JFK in Philly. The Cherry Hill location since closed. But then I moved into catering as well while I was still in culinary school. And I had worked under a chef, Matt Levin. And he was from Rittenhouse. He had Square Peg. He had, did Thumb Aquile for a while after Chef Aquile had retired. So I kind of grew up under him. And, you know, I'd always like to say that culinary school taught me how to hold a knife, but Chef Matt kind of taught me how to use it. 
Then uh, I progressed into going towards Kasha Hagen. I worked at uh, Southern Cross. I was the head chef over there, as well as their sister restaurant. I was a sous chef at Gypsy Saloon under the Country Girls Restaurant Group. Then I moved to Kennett Square Golf and Country Club, where I was the executive chef over there. And one day, uh, Madeline called me up, said he needed the sous chef for the Pine Grove Tavern up in Dutch County. So I moved on over there. Then a position opened up at Blondie, and I started there in early October of 2022 and took the reins from there. They had just opened in late July of that year as well. So took over from there, and it's just been finding our identity on the run ever since. And, you know, Philadelphia Magazine's article about us finding, or us being unique in the situation is absolutely right. And I think with our menu right now is, you know, elegance lies in simplicity sometimes. And our menu kind of looks basic off the bat. But if you do simple right, I think you can really take off with it. Well, so secretly, I've followed your career a little bit. I, I don't want to sound weird in saying that. But, you know, I, <laughs> I'm quite familiar with the Conchie Girls organization. I have some friends who are involved with Conchie Girls. Um I live in Bucks County. I've been a regular Pineville forever and ever and ever. I, I know, you know, what's going on in that world. Um, and as a culinarian, you know, I like, you know, I like to know who's up there. And, and I, I was hoping someday that, you know, the chef and both and knowing both of your endeavors involvement there would, you know, move on to something similar to that. But let's really talk about some of the things that you do and, and, you bring there's little touches on the menu that are really unique and and I hate the word fusion cuisine so you know it's just a terrible terrible world. Um, you bring an elegance and a touch and a a technique to foods that normally are just something thrown on a plate, but we all eat because they feel good to us. There are things we remember, you know, mac and cheese, double eggs, you know, fried chicken, things like that. And, and you have been able to take that to a whole new level. And I'm going to start off because I've had your devil eggs. And <laughs> your devil devil eggs, yeah, there, there's something that my mother-in-law made as a secret family recipe that has gone with her, sadly, but my mother made, but then you take it and, and we just the idea when we first take them, you're taking right back to those summertime picnics, to those great memories, to those holiday parties. But then there's like a little crunch and then there's a little bit of a pepper and you added elegance to it. I mean, it's a technique because you had to know that, you know, the breadcrumbs there give it that touch and, and what that fried pepper is going to do to it at the end. And you really, you learned your lessons in culinary school and as an apprenticeship really, really, really well. So tell our listeners, describe to our listeners here, much better than I can, what the, the, the you know, devil eggs are all about. So I gotta just say that they're one of our top sellers, that and our, our, our crab dip, but the deviled eggs, it's something home style about it. Like you were saying, it's like that backyard picnic or barbecue that's, you know, you lay them out first and 
they're gone within 20 minutes of the party even starting. Who knows if they even make it that long. But just the overall texture between like the creaminess of the filling and the softness of the egg white itself. But if you put in that garlic chili crunch, which is one of my favorite condiments in the world, I can put that on anything that I can imagine and it would make it that much better. But just the whole mouthfeel and experience of it, you want to just go through the layers of the creaminess, the crunch, the the spiciness behind a little bit of the Fresno and, and the chili oil. You just want to take it that step further where this isn't just the barbecue. This is something else. Somebody's putting some creative effort into behind it. And just bring it a little further. With the breadcrumbs, it goes along the lines of the crunch as well. You just want that overall texture and mouthfeel to be multifaceted and layered in everything and every bite that you take to it. I mean, if, if you just pop the whole thing in your mouth at once, that's okay too. It, yeah, it, it really is just a masterful presentation. And then we go on to, if I want to pick out an entree. So you have a lobster mac and cheese, which, well, that's a great dish anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's comforting in the fact that the mac and cheese is almost a blend of what my mother can make and what I got in elementary school as, you know, that's just, it, it's creamy and, and it's you know made with you know pasta we don't often see a mac and cheese somebody's not used to elbows or this or that but then there's that richness of perfectly cooked lobster that's added to that uh, a little bit of chili breadcrumbs into it you know very rich in butter uh you know so it's not that that it's the consistency of that that mac and cheese that we grew up with with children, but it's, you know, rich and buttery and made with all the right ingredients. And it's like, you know, my mother went wild in the kitchen with, you know, butter and, and richness. Where, where did that come from? Uh, once again, I can attribute that to my mother as well. <laughs> uh, just like you, you know, that, that growing up and having that homemade mac and cheese where it just it coats the fork. There's that leftover cheese spread on the bottom of the plate where you want all of that creaminess to come in and just coat your mouth as well. And then, you know, the Jamelli pasta that we use instead of the elbow, the, the sauce, it just, it sticks to it just right. You know, you're not left with a bowl of soup, like cheese soup down at the bottom of your, your vessel afterwards. Um, I've always loved mac and cheese. It's one of my favorite things in the world. I love experimenting with all sorts of different varieties. And lobster mac and cheese on, on a restaurant menu is just, it's like a must have these days, especially when you're using the lobster claw that we use where that presentation, I mean, you get that nice big claw piece in there and some of the knuckles scattered about through the dish just to stand out with that vibrant red color against the, the pale yellow of the mac and cheese itself. It really kind of pops off the plate. And once again, you know, the crunch factor. I had a chef, John Olson, in culinary school who would always harp on crunch factor being a, a principle of any dish that you you put together. The fact that you need to blend those different textures together. And you always had to have a crunch factor on your dish, no matter what, in his class. So it was coming up through, you know, it's, you know, inspiration through my mother as far as her cooking like that and then in school of putting all those things together that really brings it along and i think if you can have your cheese sauce itself that you use for your base with 
a good layer of flavoring behind that where it's not just any one sort of cheese. Like I want you to be able to pick out a different, like whether you can taste the Romano in that, or maybe you can taste pours on cheese in it, or maybe you can taste sometimes pick out the American cheese that I actually use in the cheese sauce as well. It's just as different blends of flavor. Instead, it's not like the blue box mac that you're used to having in, in grade school or at home. You know, sometimes when you get home from school and you just fire up a box of blue box mac. Not that there's anything wrong with that, you know, at the end of the day. But having those different flavors that you can truly just pick out, I think, makes that dish complete. Oh, absolutely. And, and as I said, your mac and cheese is that, that memory of coming home and opening up that box and doing that, but with all kinds of flavor. Where you right. know, it wasn't just keeping. I mean, it's that I'm sitting down and I'm safe and, and and comfort, but there's all this flavor and richness and butter in it. And now I understand the crunch factor when you when you mentioned John Olson's name. I said I got it now. Okay, uh, <laughs> one of the best culinary instructors I've ever known, and just a, an amazing human being. It, it, so absolutely, I I love Chef Olson. He was a, a huge influence on my career. And just a great guy, just just an amazing, amazing guy, and, and uh, all the you know everything. But you know, you, you you do a lot of other really fun, like your roasted beet and fig salad. And when I saw this, it was like, oh, like I love roasted beets, and I've never thought to hey combine it with fig, you know, and then you add some goat cheese into it. Uh, and a little bit of watermelon radish, which just gives just a little bit of sweet tang to it, things like that. It's like the the fresh, you know, figs over top of the spinach. Like what an amazing, you know, layering of flavors in a salad. And you know, really, I'm sure you know, looking at that, that there's a lot of local beets and you know everything that you can get the spinach and things like that. And that's just that that has to be a great seller in itself. Oh, that that is one of our I think it's actually our most popular salad right now as a matter of fact. Um, but those flavors behind themselves, like I enjoy beets, but when you add the goat cheese and the tag behind the goat cheese to that earthiness of the beet, it just brings it up off the plate so much. And the color pop behind the watermelon radish, that was like the missing key from that dish when I was working on it. And I had done the raspberry balsamic vinaigrette and I was like, Yeah, this stands out. This will be this will work well with the beets and the spinach and everything. And then I used golden beets and I used the, the red beets for the dish itself, but there was just something that was kind of missing for that pop and that watermelon radish just kind of took it over the edge. And as far as the figs, they're one of my favorite things in the world. I absolutely love fresh figs. And being that it is the season right now for it, and I want to keep our menu at Blondie as seasonal as possible to bring in the things that I know I can get fresh locally. I, you know, I know I can bring them in from any one of our produce purveyors if they have them in stock. Sometimes it's, you know, you get towards the beginning of March and you want to start getting things in like that and you just can't. And finally, my purveyor was like, yeah, I have the figs in. I was like, all right, let's run with it. I'm going to do this salad. I've wanted to do this for a while now. I want to get it on the new menu that we're putting out. And it's just, it's run from there. And the, the fig and the beet, the sweetness, along with the, I guess it would be earthiness, and then the tang of the goat cheese, it's, I, I have a couple of them a, a week at least of <laughs> our beaten fig salad. Yeah, as a person who also just adores figs, uh, you know, I can eat them all season long. I'll tell you a brief, cute story because you, you're from Bucks County. 
with the pine gold and stuff. When I bought one of my first homes in Bucks County, I had a fig tree in the backyard. And I was not sure how to take care of it. So I went to Bristol Borough, the lower part of the county, where there's a big Italian population. I went to the uh, barber shop and I walked in and there was a lot of Italians in there. And I asked the question, you know, how do you take care of a fig tree? You know, I want to make sure I do this right. The owner had it for a many years. And they said, oh, you just moved the bucket inside in the winter. I'm like, no, my fig tree is 22 foot. <laughs> what? I'm like, my fig tree is 22 foot. So they didn't believe me. So they followed me to my house. We looked at the fig tree. A week later, these same people show up. They had built um, like a whole frame to go around the fig tree. And they brought plastic and blankets and things like that and burlap to wrap it in the winter. They brought a gallon of Dago Red, and they taught me how to take care of this fig tree. You know, what to do with the winter from dying, because my fig tree was a permanent part of the yard, and it had to be protected in the winter. Um, And they just showed up at this barber shop, and, you know, really my my love of figs grew even more, because all summer long, I had this giant fig tree in my backyard that was producing, you know, so many figs. It was amazing. But we digress. One of the other uh, really fun parts of your menu um, that is just, you know, my favorite time of year or my favorite meal of the week, and I'm working on a menu right now for somebody, is brunch. And you have this great combination of sweet and savory, you know, brunch food things. So tell our listeners some of your favorite, most popular items, and then I'll get into a couple of mine. So our our brunch has taken off immensely. Yesterday for Mother's Day was the busiest shift that we have ever had in our barely a year being open, over 500 covers in for brunch. And it was just a perfect example of prior proper planning and prep moving forward into brunch, making it such a success. But as far as some of my favorite items off there, it's got to be the sweet section. And it's not that I'm opposed to anything savory for breakfast, anything like that, but the double stuffed pancakes are a monster. I have never seen a plate come back completely empty from these because they're that big. So it's four of our house-made pancakes, cannoli cream on all the layers, cannoli cream on top. Then we finish it with Oreos and uh, whipped cream, powdered sugar for a garnish. And it goes out and it's like a foot and a half off the plate. It's absolutely amazing and indulgent. And if you ever get the chance to try it, uh, you're going to have some leftovers to take home. That combined with our banana French toast, which is uh, brioche and our house batter onto the flat top. We crust it with cornflakes first. So there's also, once again, that crunch factor in your dish. Once it comes off, cut it up, cover it with fresh bananas and Nutella and whipped cream, powdered sugar once again. And that's another one of those things that just sticks to your rib and you regret looking at the scale after it. But at the same time, it's one of those things you absolutely really just have to try. Um, savory item wise, lobster Benedict's what sells the most on our savory line like that. And once again, using as lobster as frequently, frequently as we can in our menu and cross utilization like that, it just maximizes its potential for it. But a nice, Poached egg. Poached eggs, I think, are underrated vastly. Some people don't like the runny yolk about it, but just the 
the texture it brings to the dish. And we have a house-made English muffin that we use on it, far better than anything you'll ever buy in a store. It's got a touch of sweetness to it. So that savoriness behind the egg yolk along with the sweetness to our English muffins, and then that lobster, that nice tender butter poached lobster combined with all of it. And that just really brings it together. So those are the three things that I really enjoy the most of our brunch menu. And our chorizo and biscuits. Our house-made biscuits yeah. are out of this world. And the chorizo gravy, it's also another one of those dishes where it's gigantic and you're going to have enough leftovers to bring home for a couple of days. Yeah, that's exactly true. It, it you, I took home some. I can testify to that, which, you know, you didn't even pay nearly the the accolades that your biscuit, you know, your biscuits and gravy. That's what it is. It's a variation of a biscuit to gravy. But, you know, that sunny side of egg that's added to it, that, you know, the chorizo just adds such a great flavor to it, you know, doing that whole thing. And then you have, by far, I'll eat this every day, every meal from your place. Your shrimp and grits with <laughs> a little touch of a little kibasi thrown in there. So, that you know, you're talking to a man who drives to Shenandoah, Pennsylvania four times a year to get kibasi. You know, it's that important <laughs> to me. Um, but, you know, the stone-cut grits in themselves that are a little bit different, you know, the, just the the bell peppers in there, a little, little flavor. But then that agave cream that's added to it, it's like, whoa, like a little bit of smokiness to it. Just a really, really amazing, like, shrimp grits from the South meets Philadelphia, taken to a whole new level of French cuisine, all in one dish. Just utterly, uh, utterly Absolutely. Cajun Creole is by far one of my favorite things to make um, and delve into it. You know, working at Southern Cross before, we had a lot of Cajun Creole influence in our menu over there. Um, a lot of my family comes from the South on my father's side. So making biscuits, making grits, things like that. It was growing up up here in the Northeast. You know, we got to experience that as well from my family in the South. And especially with the biscuits, my grandmother was always making biscuits from scratch. And I can remember to this day having hers and mine not comparing anything to what she makes as far as that goes. But as far as the shrimp and grits, if you can put that dish together and just the overall richness behind it and the flavors that you come from, and you've got to keep something local with a kibasi and everything, you know? We're up here in Philly. we got to represent something about ourselves and put that influence into pretty much like anything that I try to put on the menu. Keep it something that people around here can recognize. You know, that not, if you've ever been into any restaurant in Philly and, you know, they've had something that's specifically local, I want to try to keep that influence as well, where, you know, represent who you are and where you're from and don't ever forget it. Well, and, you know, that little melting pot, one other project before we, you know, discuss cocktails or a little bit, you know, your last call was the, you know, great quality bacon, the cheddar cheese, uh, you know, that's over, you know, uh, an egg and over easy egg with that. But then a little bit of tomato jam that has that, you know, comfort of South or South Jersey summer, you know, the tomato jam flavor in there, the, you know, good quality home fries. But then, you know, the Taylor pork roll, you know, or 
Taylor habits some people call it, but you know, mm-hmm. in Fort anywhere out to go outside of Philadelphia, they call it uh, Taylor Ham, cracking me up. You have to right. Taylor Ham everywhere else in the country. But you know, that Fort Roll, it's just what a great, like, just use of that product that screams, I'm from, you know, Philadelphia suburbs, I'm from Delaware Valley, I'm from, you know, this is where I'm from. Like, you really just nail so many different cultures that are, you know, so important to Philadelphia, this menu. I try to keep it, I mean, I love this area. I spent a lot of my uh, late teens and early 20s, mid-20s away from here being in the service, but I, I always came back here. And, you know, it sounds weird, but, you know, just stay true to your roots. One of the first things I would do when I came off the plane um, from coming home on leave, coming to see my family, is I had to come down and go to a deli and get a Dietzen sandwich, you know, whether any sort of cold cut. So any way that I can put some sort of spin on it that I am staying true to where I'm from, but also incorporating things that I've seen from other places that I've been. Uh, I like, I love Korean food, actually. I spent a few years living in Korea in the service, and I have a lot of influence in that as some of the dishes that I am coming up with. So if I can put a spin of Korean food as well as, you know, somewhere from, from the Northeast, like the pork roll, things like that. Like when my menu progresses a little further and I get into writing my next menu, I'm going to start incorporating things like that, but always staying true to where I'm from. You know, and we can round out your meal with, you know, not an early large, you don't need one because you're filled with everything else, but you have a really great dessert menu with flowers, chocolate cake, but I'm a cheesecake guy. So, you know, oh, yeah. this is a good one. You're, and I'm, my favorite, favorite, favorite dessert in the whole world is Trace Lake Cheese. So when I can get both in one dish, oh, I don't need to go any further. You know, it's like this is this is you know this is heaven, and your traditionally cheese yeah. cake is a great way to finish out the evening. But I'd be remiss if I didn't talk it, and this isn't going to be you. It's going to be, or I don't think it's going to be you, but it's going to be you know your team. You have an amazing bar menu. Uh, that really accents everything that your menu does as well. You know, you, you know, the, the, the blondie, which is, you know, the peach orange blossom vodka, a little lay, but then the rose tea syrup in there, the ginger bitters, you know, what an amazing cocktail that is. And, you know, the Maniac spritzer, which is, you know, white peach and rosemary, but done with St. Germain, you know, a little ginger beer, like, Really, really, really creative. So, you know, you sit down with your beverage person and say, hey, you know, this is what I'm doing. And, and they start, you know, those gears turning like your cocktail menu so matches everything on your menu when it comes to just taking it that next step. So as far as the, the cocktail menu goes, we have an awesome bar team. Every single one of our bartenders has a creative influence in everything that we do. Our bar manager, Dawn, our manager, uh, Alex Hayes, they all have this influence on this bar where they all come together and it's this meeting of cocktail minds that puts these, these drink menus together. And they'll say, chef, come out and try this real quick. 
and you know sometimes i'll give them the side eye about some things they ask me to order as far as like ingredients for their cocktails i'm like are you sure you want to use this you're going to use this but when they finally put the finished product together and say here chef come try this i'm just blown away at the fact that like you were able to get all of these flavors in and i can pick out you know in our new cocktail menu the one in the melon which is one of the most popular cocktails on there it starts with the basil the watermelon everything in there you can just every little accent and note in there is just stands out on its own and that's when i come up with like if we're going to run a special for the weekend i i gotta pair this with something right now like i want somebody to have this drink with what something i'm going to make back in the kitchen and our bar itself if, if you get to see, if any listeners get to see our bar, we are a restaurant built around this bar. Like we serve food on the side and these cocktails first because our bar program is on that level. I, I venture to say that we have the best bar menu on Main Street in Manny right now, and it's only going to improve from there. You know, you, you described that very well, and, and your restaurant is truly built around the bar. But the restaurant itself is so unique. And, you know, I, I saw a quote that it was like sitting in the in, it was like sitting inside a jewelry box that you bought your mother. You know, the pink, the gold, just the you know the inlay, everything about there is it, it's just a surreal experience in such a wonderful way. Uh, you know, you go in and you know. You take it, it takes you about ten minutes just to stop looking around and finding great little things and colors and patterns and just to look and the way the way the staff looks and everything like that is truly a a, a dining experience that you've created on Main Street in Maniac. And you know, Maniac's a great town to begin with, great restaurant town. You have a lot of competition there. And you didn't just come in and say, I'm going to be part of that. Or I'm going to, you know, reap the benefits of having a great restaurant, you know, town right here. And I'm just going to be someplace where everybody comes into because they're wandering the streets of Maniac. You took it and made it a destination in itself. Uh, you know, so kudos for doing that, you know, for really, uh, you know, jumping in and, and taking on the challenge of being a restaurant in Maniac, where there are so many other great restaurants. And you're right on Main Street, so, you know, you didn't shy away from, you know, competition. You didn't move very far away from everything else. You came and, and took that on right there, and, and you're hitting it on every level with, you know, the appearance, with, uh, you know, the, the, you know, look at everything. So as we're out of time, Please tell our listeners where they can find your information online and where they can find your great food and how they go about getting into your building. Absolutely. So we're located at 4417 Main Street, Maniunks. We're a, we stick out on, on Main Street. We're a green building with gold lettering on the front says Blondie, and you will recognize us immediately as soon as you walk in the door that this is the place that you so amazingly described and I really appreciate all the compliments behind the aesthetics of our, our restaurant. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Blondie Philly if you search that tag or just search in, in Blondie and we should have a, a hashtag that comes up for that. Um, I welcome everybody to come in. We're going to change menus seasonally. Our cocktail menus rotate seasonally as well. 
and we're looking forward to celebrating our one year anniversary soon coming up in we're actually having our party in june but our, our one year will be in july and moving forward from there we're just going to be can continue to be our eclectic selves as far as mixing everything that we can that just makes sense and some things that don't but they still work anyway and uh, i want everybody to come in and give us a shot and see that we are going to be the crown jewel of main street and for a long time coming chef thank you so much for joining us on food farms and chefs i encourage our listeners to come see you you really are a gem it truly is um, i've been blessed to have been there uh had two meals there you're just an amazing property Thank you so much. I, I hope to, uh, on my next time, then I'll introduce myself. Thank you so much for joining us. Great pleasure. Good luck to you. Thank you. Thank you, Chef Gene. Thank you. Thank you. To listen to the rest of Food Farms and Chefs, tune your HD radio to 97.5 WPEN HD2 or stream live from www.dbam.com.